jarring cacophony tells you that yet again you're back with the Doctor Who podcast that's made in Scotland from chat we like to discuss digest, digress discourse, where's my thesaurus disagree, where's my dictionary uh, dump, dictionary dance, dance and I'm dancing um, right now, yep stop it, anyway I'm, I'm also Kenny. David, oh you are very yes, good, yes aha, anyway who are I, you I'm Kenny Hello, Ken, Kenny it's Smith. nice to meet you. What Thank are you, you doing in my house? I'm, I'm just enjoying <laughs> enjoying the comfort of your sofa. Actually, it's a very comfy sofa. Listeners, come round to Dave's. <laughs> yes. Um, His address is... Yes, my name's on the buzzer. You can't miss it. <laughs> um, Lols. Yes, welcome back indeed to The Power of Three. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, we're back with another of our episodes that we had hoped to have in the run-up to Christmas, but ultimately didn't, where we were discussing a new Doctor Who book that had been released. And today... We are discussing the rather fantastic. Of oh, oh, I said, oh, I you should say it. Oh, I have to say it. I have to say it. Um, it's called Flying Onto Shelves, the Eagle Moss Doctor Who figurine book by Neil Corey. It is indeed. And it's a rather lovely book. Now, before we talk about the book, Dave, mm. let's talk about the figurine collection itself. You've got, you were telling me just before we started about. A rather amusing anecdote as to how you <laughs> got yours. Don't big it up, listeners. There is precisely one Doctor Who figurine in the steel in any of the steel family households, and that's <laughs> purely by accident because I think 2018 Kenny had an article in Doctor Who magazine about the police boxes in Glasgow, and I contributed a couple of photographs of you know Doctor Who luminaries standing in front of one of the Glasgow police boxes at a convention, I think in 1997, and these were printed and stuff, and it was quite exciting. And I remember telling my mum, and my mum went out to and went into W. H. Smith or wherever it was and asked for the new Doctor Who magazine because obviously Kerry and I were a minute were mentioned in it and stuff and all this. And what they handed her was the Eagle Moss figure of the Tenth Planet Cyberman. <laughs> so when I went round and she's like, I couldn't see your photos of the TARDIS and I was like, How do you mean? I said there's big and she and she showed me this and I was like, That's not well that's what they gave me. <laughs> so there we are. So yes, so there's one in my mum's house, it sits up next to her computer. So there you go. I I remember when they were launched and I sort of thought, nope. I just do not have the room. You could looking around my living room just now. There's no room. You have to. You have to just decide. Yeah. You know, there's no chance. Um, is that did, Uncle Sam? Is yes, that, it is. That, yes, that, it is Uncle, him. yes, it is Uncle Sam from our recent Freedom Fighters episodes. Obviously, yes, were you in those right. episodes? Um, well, you were no. the Flash. You were. You were I was the Flash. the Flash. Yes, that's right. You were the Flash. A don't particular think, yeah. incarnation of. I don't think you had any scenes with Uncle Sam. On I didn't meet him. Sadly. Um, so yes, um, in fact, is your flash on these shelves? Yes, there he's there. There we go. I'm flashing it, Dave. Right stand next to the Atom, Green Arrow, Speedy, and Superman, and a pile, a small pile of Doctor Who books. Yes, did you decide you had room? I didn't buy every issue. Right, I, but I bought quite a few. I've got quite a lot of the characters there. I've got most of the Doctors. I've got quite a lot of Daleks. When I say I've got quite a lot of Daleks, I have got tons of Daleks. Right. I was given the 
because he did like compilation sets and in inverted commas. Sure. If you're into Menkind, that sort of shop, and they'd have like a box of 10 Daleks all put together in this lovely presentation pack. Mm-hmm. And I've got two of those, and they are, I mean, they're stunning. The detail on them is great. I bought the Time Lord Victoria sets, you might remember. When we were yeah, doing I remember. That at the time. I remember seeing them in FP and stuff, yeah. I've got some of the Time Lord sets as well. So I've got like First Romana and the Donald Sumpter Rassilon, the Master set and a few Cybermen as well so yeah I do have a few of them I didn't let's say I didn't buy everyone because much as I would love to have but in terms of you know the stuff that I've got with all my character options actions figures I would love to have got them all but I just I cannot buy everything much as I would love yeah. to yeah that's the thing I mean I, I spent a lot of money in time in the, the 2000s and in the early 2010s buying DC Comics action figures um, because I had a sort of rule and that's not even that's a fraction of them that are on my shelves at the moment yeah. um, I'd sort of set limits I mean because there were some that I could have bought but you know I just thought no like you can go mad there's only so much room there's only so much yeah. money I realistically ran out of room years ago but such is life <laughs> yeah but the, the wonderful thing is that you can look at this book now yes, and you, you can, can look see at this, everything you can look at this book and almost imagine you have all the, the figures now we have to say something the cover's gorgeous it's obviously done to, to echo the, the cover design of the, the legendary Doctor Who monster book yeah um, but obviously it's been replicated with some of the figures instead very very nice it's beautifully designed and laid out by yeah. Neil and it's great in fact actually I just remember I remember the shop where I tended to get my figurines from. Mm-hmm. I would go because I think the guy who ran at Regents in Edinburgh when I was at Scottish Field, latterly, and they had they sometimes would put them in the window. Okay. And I think the guy who owned, who owned the newsagent was a fan because he must have been getting two in of each. Sure. So he got one for himself, and then the other one would go for his general sale and quite often get chatting to him. And I remember seeing the. 10th Planet Cyberman but not quite 10th Planet Cyberman from The World Enough in Time right and it's where it's up where they're, it's the guy holding sure. the drip sure. and I remember seeing that in the window and taking a picture and tweeting it to Neil at the time saying right. oh good to know there's this news agent still selling them and it yeah. was in the window which was unusually normally yeah. just inside cool no I mean the book's very well designed it's lovely I mean it's it's almost a, a catalogue almost a, a directory and, um, and there's a little cover flash that tells us that it's full of behind the scenes info and unseen figurines which seems like the perfect time for you to start your conversation with Mr Corey I am Neil Corey I am the former editor of the Doctor Who figurine collection and the compiler stroke writer of Flying Gone to Shelves the Eagle Moss Doctor Who figurine book that is a bit of a mouthful but uh, well done it's <laughs> Um, as you know, when we spoke the other day, and I think my love for this book came across to you, so it seems only fair to celebrate what is a fantastic volume. And I dread to think how many hours went into this. A lot. So, uh, <laughs> sometimes I had to run away from it because it was breaking my brain a little bit. But um, no, it was um, really good. And then... Ben Robinson said, oh, I know what the cover should be. And so that took a whole rejigging because um, the whole reason for Ben Robinson being involved in Eagle Moss and GE Fabric before that and other companies as well was that the Doctor Who Monster Book. So that's a kind of homage to him and to the Monster Book. And it basically says this is where our fandom started so um, it's not quite that for me, but without Ben, I wouldn't have been working on the collection. 
I mean, I worked with Ben for a very long time. Too long, perhaps. Um, he'd be the first to agree to that, by the way. Right, we started working at G Fabri, oh God, 15 years ago, 16 years yep. ago. Um, I was there for three weeks for, to sort out the um, electronic library for their James Bond pictures. All of a sudden, they needed somebody to work on their Doctor Who range. And um, I was around. And that was it. That was it. I was freelance all that time. And when the company was GE, when the company GE Fabry was bought out in 2010-11, I wasn't working for them at all. And I'm trying to remember the exact timeline here. And basically, there was a little bit of time. There was a little gap where I wasn't working at all. And Ben then said, "Oh, we are actually doing the fig- going to go ahead with the figurine collection because I worked on the test issues a little bit." And that, and that was it. After the five test issues, she said, right, okay, here you go. Get on with it. So, but that, that was just focusing mostly on the magazine. Came into the, more on the figurine side and the, the longer the collection went on. It's an amazing collection. When you look through it, you just think of all these, the wonderful work that's got into it. I mean, I remember I was actually bought um, volume or the first part by one of my, co- one of my work colleagues. He'd seen it in a shop and thought, oh, Kenny, you like Doctor Who. There you go, 199. There you go, have that. There's your little Matt Smith. And so it began, because I suppose people of a certain age like ourselves, Neil, we've grown up with Star Wars figures and things like that. No, not at all. Sorry, I'm vigorously shaking my head there um, because I had no interest in figures at all. Um, I love what character options do and I love our figurines but I had no interest in figures whatsoever and that actually kind of stood me in good stead because when we produced a figurine if I would have bought it possibly then I considered it a success so but I mean it would have to be that good for me to go yes we'll have that I mean there are lots of the figurines that I just think no, we missed the, we missed there, we missed there, or it can even be like a slight miss or a big miss, but lots of the figurines I'm very, very pleased with. I mean, I'm somebody who's always a Star Wars figure purchaser and like action figures. So in many ways for me, the figurine collection was just a perfect way to get a, get a few more sort of bodies on shelves. Okay, I might not be able to move and manipulate them, but they're still nice to have and to look at. And I'm just going to move my camera a little bit so you can see that over there on the shelves, I don't know if the light's good enough, but there's quite a lot of your work there. There we go. There's the light hitting some of them there. There's some doctors and Daleks. Yep. And that's just a few. I've got plenty more in the cupboard behind me, which are back in their boxes. (laughs) So just to prove that I did put my money where my mouth is. (laughs) Um, I'll send you a picture of all mine. So how did the process work then in terms of your month to month, in terms of getting each figurine out? Oh my gosh, how long have we got? Well, right, okay. We'd work to 10 figurines at a time um, with an ever malleable, flexible um, rotor where things could come and go up to a point. Um, Ben, me, and lots of other people uh, throughout the nine years, we would discuss what we'd like to see in the collection. Ben had a long list of 70 at the start, a list that was made public but shouldn't have been because it was only 
this is what we could do list. It wasn't this is what we will do list. And even when we produced a list of 80 and then 100, 120, 150, 180, 200, and so on, it was always a list of we could do this because things always changed. So we decided what we'd do, then we'd go and see about getting approval for that. And then that's where the first stumbling block would be because sometimes approval took no time at all and other times approval took forever. Um, and sometimes it never came through at all. But then we would just, if it was from the new series, 2005 onwards, it was very, it was relatively straightforward to do. For the classic series, it was more difficult, basically because of photo reference. But even the new series had troubles. And the empty child figurine that we did, there are no decent pictures from that story showing the little boy with the gas mask, the gas mask zombie. Oh, this is going to go very on very, very long, and it's really, really boring. It's not. I'm fascinated. I'm hanging in every word all here. Right. All right, as long as you're sure. Right, so we'd get approval from the BBC. That, that would be the one stage of approval to actually do it. So we'd say, we'd say they'd give it as the go-ahead. Then we'd um, put together a series of pictures for the modeler, and these could be all sorts of people, depending on what sort of figurine it would be, like uh, whether it was a Dalek or a Cyberman, or whether it was a doctor. Lots of people were involved in uh, the decision to actually who to decide to give it to to model and that was another process altogether then that model would be again approved by the bbc and sometimes we'd be going no you shouldn't you shouldn't have approved that we wanted to change it but if the bbc give us approval leave one alone and then that would be sent off to a factory in china where it would be made and then we'd get a sample and this would be taking months weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and then that sample would get sent to the BBC as well, and they would give a final yay or nay, and then we would go into production if we had a yes, or there would be batting back and forth. So imagine that for 370 figurines over a nine-year period. Oh my God, we were mad. <laughs> and then doing magazines to go with each one as well. Yeah, the, the, mag the magazine honestly was um, the easiest bit of it. I mean, but that, it wasn't easy. I mean, it's just, it, it was, we were very disappointed when we had to cut it down from 20 pages to 16, basically because we lost a fifth of our budget for each issue. And so I got paid a fifth less, which was a bit mean. But hey, and we got on with it. And there were lots of other like spin-offs, so we more than made up for the money. When your hobby becomes your job, it's really hard to keep doing it as a nine to five. I'm sure you know this. Um, just a little. Way, yeah, just somewhere you think, oh, I'll just do this, I'll just do that, I'll just do this. And then you just suddenly discovered you spent 12 hours on it and you're just going, <laughs> no, how do I get those five hours back? You never do. But I mean, it's, I mean, we're all fans, we're all devoted, we want to make the best product as, as humanly possible. I mean, some issues were easier than others, some were not. So, I mean, these the magazines, again, would have to be approved by the BBC. The covers would always have to be approved by the BBC weeks and months before the actual magazine was made. And I mean, the BBC was very, very good about all this. And they were, they were quite sharp on factual stuff being correct. And they didn't want us to be offending anybody. And, but 
they never really completely trusted us because they treated issue 216 as issue one. Everything was a clean slate for them. They had to make sure everything was right all the time. And in that, they were really, really um, superb. You know, you can't ask for um, a better partner to work with than the BBC, as far as my limited experience goes, because they are so sharp on it. That's fantastic. All I'm doing about that, I can't think anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. Going through them, how do you often enjoy, you know, our sort of pitching suggestions for figurines? Could imagine that, you know, stuff like the white robot, the war machines, they're not obvious ones to do, but my goodness, Um, when you see them, you just think, these are gorgeous. Of course these should have been done. We wanted to do what was expected and go further just to surprise, make people realise that they didn't want, they didn't know they wanted this until they got it. We had a huge positive response to the Android. It was just, and I was I was thinking, are we sure we want to be doing this? But we had such a positive response to it. It was really, really good. And the, the Navarino, that was just like, what? People were, some people were like going, what the heck are you doing? And some people were going, this is the best thing ever. The whole remit of the magazine and the range was to do as wide a range of the figurines as was humanly possible. With the caveats that we wanted to do, the doctors tried to do as many companions as possible. And the Daleks were incredibly popular, so we had to reflect that in the collection too. I mean, there are, it's there's not far under a fifth. I think it's a fifth of the figurines of Daleks, which is a lot, but they're so supremely popular. And that was it, really. We, ju- we just wanted to surprise people and just go, oh, yeah, we didn't know we wanted that. Like when we did Dalek Gunship and the- when we did the cleaner. I mean, I was so annoyed when we'd done the cleaner. It was the most perfect figurine. And then the company folded. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just, you're talking about Daleks. I've got the, the fact that they were reissued in sort of box sets of uh, of 10, which I have a couple of behind in there in the cupboard. And uh, yeah, lovely, lovely item. Just the detailing on them and just in fact, every single one of them is absolutely unique. They're just, they've all got those little tweaks. Yeah, there, there are things about some of them that I just go, oh, we could have done a little bit better on that. Like we never could never, at the size we worked at, we could never get um, the lenses on the eye stalk individual enough there's and the first scarrow city Dalek from dead planet that we did and it had the irises painted wrong and that was quite frustrating but one of the best things i ever worked on was the tamlet victoria series it was just a mental time because of covid but i was working with the genius who is james goss and he's such a talent and he's so inspiring that I really put in 12 hour days to make sure that worked. And the little magazines that came with it, I was desperate for them to be A4 at the very least. And I made a little um, hardback book version, a little annual version. And um, for the, all the people who, about, it's about a dozen people who worked to make. <laughs> I've got some of mine here. <laughs> And I made a little hard, oh, hold on, I'll show you. 
is it the Drumlord Victorious? Oh, wow. Love a little book. I made it into a book. And this was basically our love of the Dalek books of the 1960s, but yeah. making sure that we didn't um, interfere with any copyright because they can get quite litigious. Mm-hmm. Um, the people involved. So we were we were very very careful. That was a fantastic thing to work on. And during COVID, nobody could see anybody. It was everything was done by Zoom or email or phone call, and we made it happen. Everybody made it happen. That it happened at all is a miracle, and is very proud to be part of that. Oh, you should be. I mean, the stuff that taking sort of expanding you, the universe beyond the TV series so with the. Holland's Doctor in his blue coat, the the big Finnish figurines. Oh, yes, um, the Doctor with the blue coat. Yeah, that went down like a cup of sick, I'm afraid. Um, with, um, what? I know, um, there was a, a lot of negative reaction to that. And I'm not surprised in a way, but I'm, I'm of course, also a little bit disappointed. Um, I would have liked to have had um, a bit more of the check on the, the blue pattern of the coat, but it's a version of his outfit so i'm quite pleased with that and that i wanted to do the whole universe of doctor who not just the tv series it was hard to do because most people really really most people were focused on the tv series i don't know why that is and for me all all doctor who is doctor who not just the tv series and i tried tried to push it a little bit but not too much because it just got some people very cross. I never quite understood that mentality. I mean, well, as you know, obviously with my big finish involvement, and you know, it's all it's all part of the one thing. I love my books, whether they're BBC books, Virgin books. It's me, it all counts. But it's got Doctor on it, and it's a new story. It counts. Sorry, guys. End yes. of. If it says Doctor Who on it, that's it. It's in. Here's the figurine I'm saving for my retirement. Oh. Now that looks like. That's the thing. Wow. So it is. <laughs> How so many of those exist, Neil? One. Wow. That's the only one that exists. But as soon as we saw it, we loved it, but went, no, that's not happening. As soon as we saw it, we just went, no, no. It was a, it was a real shame. But um, we went, no. And there are, there's a couple of other figurines where there is just one off. I'm not telling you what they are. Oh. It's a secret, so you got to, <laughs> you got to see the thing. Anyway, yes, I did. And and it's all, lovely. It's not quite all in the book. There's a couple couple of things where we've just kept a couple of details because I don't want people chasing them. But the um, the owners of these figurines up saying, "Here's a five thousand pounds if you'll give me give me that figurine." So I'll, I'll never I'll never sell my thing because yep. I think it's absolutely rubbish. And at the same time, absolutely brilliant. It's glorious. It's absolutely it, glorious. It's, but um, one, one of the ones that I wish we had made was the frog on the chair and a chap called James Gardner, who has made loads of lovely customs. And he did the, I almost had the name then. Anyway, the, the frog on the chair. And we, th- we did think about it for about half an hour, and then we went, no, we're not being stupid. So just no frog on a chair. Who is yep. another universe? Oh, never mind. Yep. Anyway. The book, Neil. When did yes. the thinking for that start? 
ideas, like all bad ideas, is John Ainsworth's fault. I blame John <laughs> Ainsworth for everything, as is noted on the thanks to page at the front of the book. I say, with special thanks to John Ainsworth, who Neil Corey blames for everything, because it's all his fault. Well, no, we started working together first on a fanzine called Cosmic Relief back in 1993 or four, I think it's four. And that was done by Ali Charles and Nick Pegg back in the day. And Adrian Salmon did a gorgeous cover. And John needed somebody help, someone to help lay it out. And then he was working at Visual Imagination. I was at university and he said he was leaving Visual Imagination and said, we need somebody to come in two days a week. And so I took his job. And <laughs> and that's it, 25 years later. No, sorry, no, no, no. 28 years later, here we are. That's no, incredible. 30 years later. Oh my God. <laughs> no, it can't be 30 years. Oh, well, whatever, however many years it is. It's yeah. a long time. Um, so I blame him for everything because so, um, he's influenced my career an awful lot. Um, but it was a pleasure to work with him on the figurine collection. And he worked like crazy because he wasn't just working on Doctor Who. He was working on Star Trek and other um, licenses for Eagle Moss. And he must have worked like a dog because um, I was very, very busy as well. And but he had to put up with me. I didn't have to put up with him. Working with John is a pleasure. Working with me is less so. Because um, <laughs> I like everything just to be bang on all the time. I mean, obviously everybody does, but I'm I'm, I'm a bit pushy with it. Well, so. no, I wouldn't say that, Neil. Having you know, obviously having worked with you on the on the big finish, each Doctor Wins, oh, no, you no, know what no, I, you know what you want. You know exactly what you want, and that's an absolutely. I'd far rather an editor tells me what they want than what they no. don't. I'm lovely to my writers. Always be nice to your writers, because um, you don't want people being late. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Just like if you're nice to your writers, they deliver on time. Apart from if you're Tom Spilsbury. No, no, no. He's great. No, um, um, Tom, Tom Spilsbury is amazing. There was oh yeah, I would have loved Gary Gillett to work on the uh, figurine collection at some point. But obviously, because we were, we're really old mates, really, 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 really old mates. He worked with me on the Doctor Who DVD files and Kieran Grant and Claire Lister and Ben Robinson. But um, he, he didn't work with me on the figurine collection and I would have loved just a little bit. I mean, I was so pleased I got James Goss because I, I think uh, I have to be, I'm a bit fanboy around him, which I'm sure he appreciates. I mean, I've worked with Paul Lang on Doctor Who Adventures and I got to work with him on the Time Lord series, so that was a bonus. So, I mean, I just, I like getting good people around me. So just people who know their onions and can have a laugh with it, because if you don't have a laugh, why are you doing it? Very, very true. So I'd imagine then that when you're working on the book, here you go, you've got a hell of a lot of content and it's a case of how much it, can you include and how do you make it fit? Is it a lot? I think it's a lot. I think you've done a miracle to cram so much in there, presenting it so it's in a visually acceptable form and plenty of information as well. So you have done the miracle, I think. 
That's really the nice thing to say because um, I wanted to tell the story of my. It's primarily focused on my involvement because I'm the one who knows about my involvement. I don't know everything about Ben Robinson's involvement, um, and, and apart from the bits where I was working with him, and I worked with him quite closely. Same, same again with John Ainsworth and Paul Chamberlain, Steve Scanlon, all the people, loads and loads of people whose names don't generally appear anywhere. I mean, um, I didn't really talk to Natasha Senkis, and me and Natasha worked on the first at least 190 issues. And she's not even, she's barely mentioned in the book. And um, it's one of the reasons why I'd like to expand the chapter on the magazine, because she was a star. She really, really was. Anyway, so I wanted to tell the whole story, but I didn't know, I didn't want it to be from start to finish because it would be a really chunky, solid reading, quite repetitive. And so it was like, how do I tell the story from each figurine? So it's, I talk about the figurine, when it came out, blah, 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 why we did that one, and then what was special about that figurine to me in regards to the whole collection. And then slowly but surely, you build up the idea of the collection. I mean, it took me a little while to work that out, what what to do, but that's how it ended up. And it's wonderful. I mean, it's getting all the visual material as well. I'd imagine that you would have... Oh, no, I had, I had most of that already. Yeah, so, that's um, the way, that saves you a hell of a lot of time straight away. Oh, no, 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 sorry, no, I still had to adjust them. No, no um, once you've got an image, that's just, that's just, you've got an image. But, um, I mean, I had to re-photograph loads of them. They're, they're, I'm, just, I'm looking at King Hydroflax at the moment, and just don't look so at Greg King Davis. Hydroflax. I don't like King Hydroflax. <laughs> okay, well, don't look, look at King Hydroflax. One. Look at the nice one. No, the head's too big. I'm looking at the Dean now, the special one. Right. Okay. Special two. Yes, special two. So the just that. I mean, it just it's, it just captures them perfectly. It's got that having seen the, oh. the original costumes and it's got that well, menacing look to them. One of the reasons for that was because we had, um, well, GE Fabry had, so Eagle Moss had, because they bought it, original CG artwork from the BBC. Ah. So they had it. So, um, so that's how that amphibrine was basically made. And there's lots of really good pictures of it. I mean, the thing that you're just looking at it now is the time factor, and you know, just, you know, to tell, obviously, some stories, you know, some figurines are covering them in, you know, 150 words or so, and then others are a lot more detailed. So it must have been quite a lengthy piece of work. I mean, how long would it take you, would you say it took from start to finish? Um, the early pages, it would take me one day to do a page. Yep. Right, and the front start to finish. Right, and that would be it. Finding the pictures, choosing the pictures, deciding which angle I was going to go for, um, checking the pictures were good enough, everything, choosing whether I'd, how to illustrate them, and just to have, um, what I would say about them. So sometimes the words were the easiest bit. Yeah, not always. But it's amazing to see some of the ones where you've got like the original, like computer, like sculpts as well, and just to be able to have those renders included as well. They look wonderful. Because we had the originals. I had the original sculpts, digital sculpts, because. Um, like say working with Gavin Rymill, who is an absolute unsung hero of the collection, and I do try and sing his praises as much as is humanly possible in the book. We work together really well, 
and like say special 14 on page 91 he shared with me his cg artwork so that we could check it properly i mean there's part 212 on page 67 the servo robot oh yes that the shape of that would have to be whittled practically whittled because we weren't getting it right and it kept having to go back and forth between me, John and Gavin, who sculpted it and just working out how to do the circuitry of the eyes. I mean, that was a really, really intense figurine to do. Yeah. But thank God we had colour reference for it. Yeah, good old Colin Young, an old pal of mine in Edinburgh. That's the one. That's the one. Yep. Wonderful. How does it feel now, Neil, that you've got the finished book in your hand and been able to look over it? How do you feel about it? Because it's, um, everybody I've seen commenting has loved it. Really? Right. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I am only hearing good things, which makes me suspicious, to be <laughs> honest. I just wanted to do a book that people would enjoy reading, that they wouldn't get bored reading, that it, it was a, a sort of compendium, catalogue, biography, if you will, and a reference work, and a look at some of the behind the scenes, because it's by far, it's not all behind the scenes. There's not a lot of muck raked up. But, and no, there is what there is that much muck to rake up, actually. So the fans of the collection who are still fans now, and there's the Doctor Who uh, figurine collection Facebook group is brilliant. The f people on there are fantastic. And they were one of the inspirations for the book. And I wanted to do them justice. It's again, it's like the figurines i wanted to do a book they would like and i was just hoping that they would like the book that that was all it was so when i somebody i met somebody after the philip hinchcliffe interview in manchester last week and he said oh i bought your book and he was the first person i didn't know who'd read my book and it's like oh what did you think of it and i was dreading it <laughs> but he said he said no 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 it was great it was great and went, oh, what do you like about it? And he was brilliant. He was absolutely fantastic. He was just so constructive with his compliments. And I was going, oh, thank God I did it all right. So that <laughs> uh, just one person that likes it made my day. But um, a lot of people really have enjoyed it. So uh, unfortunately, there won't be any more. Not from the Eagle Moss side of things anyway. But I'm just hoping um, mass replicas do even half a good job as we did at Eagle Moss. Most definitely. One of the real joys for me, Neil, in recent times has been watching new Doctor Who documentaries popping up on the Blu-rays. And particularly when Russell T. Davis appeared, surrounded by your figurines, were you aware that he was such a big fan and a collector? I knew, of course I knew he was a big fan. He is the number one fan. The, the book number one is his. Yeah, um, his Instagram he did a, a week of it posting his figurines some of his figurines and then at the end of the week sadly john hurt died and he did this beautiful shot uh the john hurt figurine and turned the wrong way going into like the, with the light coming onto him and it was just like oh my gosh i actually was getting upset at a figurine and it was just so beautifully done and he loves his figurines and um, one of the reasons I was so proud to work on it was because we wanted to make Russell happy, really, because um, he's the boss. Very much so. And so of course... Definitely do 
Yeah, and you've been blessed by an intro from him, which is one of the is typical Russell. It's very, very funny, but also his love for the product is there as well. Yeah, he's a genuine fan, and it just like, but he's also a genius. So it's, I think we're very lucky to have him. And I know we were very lucky to have him as somebody who supported the figurine collection as well as much as he did. Yeah, and the fact that he wrote the intro for the book is it's lovely. It's just the fact that, I mean, I love the fact he's making a joke and saying, I shouldn't really be writing for an unofficial Doctor Who publication, but since the publication no longer exists, I can do it. Well, it, it is a Doctor Who publication, but it's not about Doctor Who. It's got the figurines in it, but it is about them. It's not about the, any of the characters or the stories so much. It's just like why they were there. I mean, they're all Doctor Who images because they're all Doctor Who things. And because the license had expired and it was considered past history. I mean, he really did say no the first time of asking. And it took me forever to find the gumption to actually go on, should I ask him, should I ask him, should I ask him, should I ask him? And then realising he can only say no, which he did. And then just a few days later, he said yes. And I, I mean, he blew me away. I was just like going, and this it arrived the second week in August, I think. And it was, well, I'm going to have to finish the damn thing now. now <laughs> if he's written the forward, that's it. I'm going to have to finish it. So, and then it was up full steam ahead. I got a lovely email from him saying lots of lovely things, but as anybody who's had a Russell T email will know, he does the best emails in the world. He does. He does. At least you're feeling like you're like you're as tall as him. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, he That's does, a doesn't he? Tall. He's yeah. a clever bugger, isn't he? He does. Yeah, he knows yeah. how to make you feel good. Yeah. But yeah. So Neil, our final question here. I have number three four seven of four two five. Very limited print run. Will it ever be issued in a digital format or anything else? The the book sold out very, very quickly, astonishingly quickly. And on the Facebook group, I've said, is anybody still interested? And there are people who are still interested who haven't got a copy, who would like a copy. And so they are writing with the word interest in the subject line. This is my plug, by the way, with interest in the subject line to my, the following email address. E-M-F-O-S, that's Eagle Moss, flying on the shelves, mfos2023 at gmail.com. Just saying interest, and that's it, and I will get back to you if you're interested, because I will be doing another hardback edition, I think. Because hardback paperback, there isn't much difference in the actual production costs. Which is great news, Neil, because there are so many people out there who must get this. I mean, I think... It's interesting. I'm going to turn this on you. I'm turning this on you. We're not doing an interview, we're doing that. Why do you think it's so good? Because I I don't know. I just wrote the damn thing. I just wanted it to be as good as possible. Well, number one, it's visually appealing. It looks fantastic. Because, I mean, from the cover, you can tell that this is somebody who knows what they're doing. It's a fan publication, Doctor Who Monster Book, and all that. You open it up, everything's clearly divided into sections. The cover based on the original Doctor Monster book and um, was done by a wonderful chap called Paul Weiss, who everybody should know from Doctor Who magazine back in the day. Yes, absolutely. Brilliant. And I think the fact you've got it broken down into going through the various years, 
there's a colour code down the side so you know exactly what you're looking at. You're looking at the monthly yeah. or the main range. Spot. Spot the person who thinks he doesn't have OCD. <laughs> <laughs> the fact you've got the magazine cover there, you've got a picture of the figurine, and in many cases, as you say, the the original like sculpt digital sculpts from different angles. That's um, not not always the original ones. Sometimes the yep. earlier versions. Well, yep, oh, which is, is great to see variations, and the fact we've got the final year and we get a glimpse of what could have been, what should have been, and the fact is, you tell the story. It's in your words, and it's great because we're getting it firsthand from the person who was there, heavily involved, playing a key role, leading the range, and it's so comprehensive. I mean, the fact that we get the original magazine covers there is beautiful. It just sort of it pulls everything together. It's comprehensive, and it's because of because I'm not OCD, honest Neil, not at all, not one bit. Everything is pulled together beautifully, and for me, it's everything that I want in a book. It's everything that if I was doing it, that's what I would want it to be like. Obviously, I've, I can do words, but I don't do design. But it's beautifully done. Like you've got the box sets in there, and. Oh, sorry, picture of Sheridan Smith's popped up, my future second wife. First wife knows that. Just all these wonderful, wonderful pictures, beautifully photographed. I mean, the consoles, oh, everything. It's, I'm smiling looking at it and just thinking, I wish I'd bought a hell of a lot more. I bought a lot, but I wish I'd bought even more. Thank you very much. I'm blushing here, look. Oh, you are, you are a little shade of pink. Oh, Neil, brilliant. No, honestly, it's a wonderful book because as soon as I saw that you were doing it, I got my order in. Say I'm happy to be number three hundred forty-seven, and um, yeah, well, and it, that, that doesn't mean like you were three hundred forty-seventh down the list. By the way, it means that you were that section of numbers was people who wanted it signed, or people who didn't want it signed, people who were um, overseas or wanted it signed with a message. Or there were lots of like little blocks of people. So yep. you could have been much higher, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and that's yep. just, uh, just uh, the numbers don't mean anything. No, they don't. I've watched The Prisoner. I know numbers technically don't really mean anything. <laughs> but, uh, but no, honestly, Neil, it's and it's been. An, I can tell it's been a labour of love because it's sort of it, you can feel it on every single page. The the passion that went into the work then and what you put into it now, and I'm really you, know, you are. You're getting really, really pink. But no, I'm. Yeah, I can say you're really somebody, somebody who loves words, and it's, it's obvious that you do, and you love the you love what you worked on. And that really comes across. So I'm sure that um, speaking on behalf of all of the other 423 people, given that uh, I'm all oh, four, well, I was, you wouldn't thank yourself, would you? But I suppose Russell's already well, no, thanked you. Thank, so. I wouldn't thank, wouldn't thank myself, would I? No, you're right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, a huge, huge <laughs> thank you for everything you've done on it then and now. And I look forward to finding out more about this potential other edition because. Well, as we found out, I am a bit of a latest, and I can't not have it now. So, damn it, you've got another sale. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And <laughs> um, I just take this, uh, this uh, moment to thank you for your kind words and the opportunity to talk about the book. You know how resistant I am to podcasts, and um, it's been high time that I actually got one. And yours is by. And I just want to say thank you for it's been. Uh, I've had a brilliant time. Oh, you're a star. Well, it's uh, we got there in the end. It took a wee while, but it's absolutely been worth it. So thank you. Yes. 
All right then. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. I'm out here. So, Kenneth, we all know how you've been a, a whispering in Algiers year over the, <laughs> over the years and influencing the, the character range. Did you have any input on the, the Eagle Moss well, range? I was lucky enough to be invited to write a couple of issues of the magazine. All right, cool. Good. Because a few years ago they brought out figurines based on Big Finish characters. Mm -hmm. So they did an eighth Doctor in his TV movie outfit with Lucy Miller. Yes, I remember seeing that one. Uh And eighth Doctor in the Dark Eyes outfit with Livchenka. Yeah, I've seen that. And given my big finished knowledge I was asked if I would be kind enough to to write these magazines for them so cool. I did and it was amazing I have to say I wrote them super super quick it was a weekend I remember Jen and Katie were way down south so I get these turned around super quickly and I overwrote far 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 too much and <laughs> I have to say Neil is an absolute gent and as an editor he's brilliant to work for I'm sure that MD else has worked in the collection would tell you that uh, he's just so so good so yes he was great to work for great to work with mm-hmm. knew what he wanted you know very clear instructions and yeah it was an honour to be part of that collection Excellent. and so excited to have my name associated with something that's got Sheridan Smith on it <laughs> and I have got a little Sheridan Smith at home the yes, figurine and we'll see, we'll draw a line under that we, <laughs> we won't say anything more about how he, how, about how he plays with it in the bath or Sleeps with it under his pillow, or anything like that. I'm not that stuffed. So are you um Are you going to assemble a nice Sergeant Pepper style image of some of your favourite figures to to post on the social for this episode? Then Kenny, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought that. Of yes, course you hadn't. <laughs> because you you're always good with the social pictures and better than I. I'll put the content together. You give me the social visuals. Um, so yeah, that's a great idea. I shall do that with some of my favourite cool. figurines. Excellent. And put them all together. And uh, yeah, we can get to a nude. We can get Brian nude. Cool. And um, yeah, there'll be we'll do that. A nice wee compilation. But you know, for me, it's a brilliant book. Yeah, it's and, really nice. Um, but yeah, it's a limited edition, and he has got this reprint of. And not certain of a limited number of copies on the right. way and I can heartily recommend it if you're sure. into the figurines and you haven't bought it this is definitely a great book to buy and it look, it's just the fact it looks so good and it's packed full of info and how Neil's condensed so much into such a comparatively small page count is brilliant but it's so beautifully colour coded and designed and for me yeah. it's an essential purchase if you've got an interest in the figurines it, it does look very nice indeed it'd be a good read if nothing else at least so after all that Neil thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us obviously absolutely so Dave Kenny you're going to ask me to ask you what song you're going to actually why don't I ask you to ask me to ask you what song are we going to play out with Dave what are we going to play out with Kenny well Dave what are we going to play out with I have no idea anything think of a song that involves figurines you know I've been trying to and all I can think of is that horrible song that was a theme tune to Mannequin but I can't think of anything else. I know. Why don't you play out with the other obvious contender, Saplan Pour Moi by Plastique Bertrand. Mais oui, c'est très bien, <laughs> monsieur. Because I, do you know, listeners, fascinating fact, I was due to fly out to Paris this Friday, but I've had to bump it back for one because of tiresome reasons. So it's even more appropriate. <laughs> so yes, listeners, don't forget to check out the other two podcasts. We're almost back to normal. Peter is almost back to full strength. Etc. Kenny's making an appearance round about now in the in the omnibus repeat of the Seven Soldiers epic from last summer. Yeah. Oui, ça suffit. C'est très bien. Merci, Monsieur David. Et c'est tout. 
Au revoir, monsieur et madame. Bam, bam, mon sas place, j'ai sur mon lit à bouffer sa langue en buvant dans mon whisky. Quant à moi, peu dormi, vide débris, mais j'ai dû dormir dans la boutière où j'ai eu un flash. Ça plane pour moi Ça plane pour moi